Hey, welcome to the H&H Hour. We're excited that you're with us. My name is Heidi Bolt, and I'm here with my sister and co-host, Heather Taves. Hello. Hi, Heather. Hi. How's your morning? Great. Yes? Yep. School, and um, I let my kids get math and play in the snow. I did the same exact thing. <laughs> yeah. So fun. Yeah, I mean, I think... The beauty of homeschooling is that you just, you get to do things like that. It's you true. get to say, we can do extra multiplication facts and division problems tomorrow. Yes. And you can go play in the snow. I love it so, so much. that's what we did. It's it's really cold. So they didn't, my littles only stayed out about 20 minutes at a time. Yeah. And then we'd come in and dry all the suits and then they'd go back out 20 minutes later. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. <laughs> so it's been a fun day. Yeah. But, well guys, I'm excited for this episode. Um, this is um, a sweet friend of ours that we've known for quite some time. So, Ashley Holm, welcome to the H&H Hour. Thank you for having me. We're excited to have you. So now you know that we're here in the middle of snowy central Illinois. Tell our listeners where you're at. Well, we do live just south of Atlanta in Peachtree City, and I'm sorry to have to tell you that it's 68 degrees right now. <laughs> and... <laughs> But I do miss the snow because I did grow up there in Peoria, Illinois, and I miss the snow. I like playing in the snow. Yeah. So now, have your kids ever experienced snow? Do you guys come back in the winter? Yes, they have. We come back every Christmas. So this past year, they got to play in the snow a lot, and they have a few other times as well. And it actually snowed here two weeks ago and there's like three days off school because here when it snows like life stops nobody can go anywhere or do anything it makes me and Cody chuckle because you know we're used to just still continuing life on in the snow but so that was kind of fun because we got to go sledding and Aww. do some fun stuff yeah well that's fun that's really fun so Ashley I love um that we've known you for so long when I first met you you were in high school and I was a kids pastor at a church, and you were in the youth group, and we got to know each other that way. That was a long time ago, wasn't it? That was, yeah. I think I was a freshman, or maybe even the summer before high school when I started going to Riverside, and yeah, that was a while ago. Wow. <laughs> well, and then we were on staff together at that church, so we, we've done different seasons of life together in some unique ways, um, and now we're all in mom world. So yes, good connections. Well, Hey, because we know you a little bit, um, but our listeners don't, would you just kind of share a little bit about yourself? Tell us about your spouse, um, your kids, what are your hobbies, all of that fun, good stuff for our listeners, just to get a glimpse into your world. Yeah, sure. So, uh, I'm married to Cody Holm and we've been married 11 and a half years and we have four girls. And Ruby is our oldest. Her name, or her name, her, she's seven years old. And Ada is five years old. And Millie is three. And Flora, the baby, is one, but she's going to be two on the 16th mm-hmm. of this month. So we're excited for her birthday. And um, I started going to Riverside at, in high school. And then when I graduated high school, I started working there. So I think I worked there about six years before Cody's job moved us to Georgia. We stayed in Georgia for a couple years, and Ruby, our oldest, was born here. And she was about five months old. We moved to California, Orange County, which is a beautiful place. 
to live. And that was so much fun. We lived there almost six years. And then last summer, or I'm sorry, summer of 2016, we moved back to Georgia um, because we wanted to get more settled with the girls. And it's very expensive to live in California. So we knew we weren't going to be settling there. So we had really liked it when we were in Georgia before. So we came back to the same area. And now we are going to stay here and let the girls grow up here and um, you know, my hobbies, I like to backpack. My dad and I like to hike and backpack a lot together. And growing up, our families were always camping. So I love doing that with Cody and the girls. And we're always finding new places to camp. We've gotten to camp by the beach here. Mm-hmm. And um, we're excited to go camping in the Smoky Mountains this summer. Fun. And yeah, and I like reading. I don't get to do it as much as I used to. <laughs> Poor girls. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So do you? So, so you take your little girls camping. Do they love it? They do love it. They just love to be outside. So it's like, I know camping sounds like a lot of work, and it is, but it's almost easier than being at home because they're just like, we're outside. See you later. Mm. And they just like run around and play, and it's fun. Mm. That's so fun. Didn't you have kind of like a really fun girls camping adventure maybe last year? I did. It was um, August of last year, and my friend Sarah from California had called me and asked if I wanted to go with her to have a soup pie. It's down in the Grand Canyon. It's this tiny little remote. It's actually an Indian reservation, and you have to hike 12 miles into this Indian village they actually live down there wow. and that's the only way to get there is to hike or like ride a horse and um then just a couple miles past their village are the most beautiful waterfalls I've ever seen it was just crazy you would never know that that's down in the canyon and it was just like renewed my soul I know such a good trip no kidding what a what an incredible way to just experience God's creation Yes. Okay, I'm just thinking about that 12 mile mile hike. I feel like I would die. <laughs> I mean, okay. I almost did. Because <laughs> <Okay. laughs> we had to carry everything for. We were there three days, and so everything that we were going to use had to be carried on our backs. And when they when we first signed up, they told us it was 10 miles. So we had like mentally prepared ourselves for 10 miles, and then I'm like looking at my watch that you know tracks how far I go and I'm like at 10 miles I'm like we are nowhere near where we're supposed to be and actually ended up being two more miles and that was a brutal last two miles I bet oh my goodness how long did it take you to hike that far it surprisingly didn't take as long as I thought it took seven hours to hike down in but what was weird is when we went back out and up it took an hour less huh it shouldn't make sense to me but Maybe you're, maybe guess, you were built up, like your stamina was built up and you were like, we can do yes. this. <laughs> we knew we had the 12 miles to go. So true. Yeah. It was yeah. The mental. You, you mentally prepared. Yeah. Oh, that's so yeah. fun. I love it when I hear people that do things that I've never done before or like adventures that I have never even dreamed about doing. That's so cool. I love that. Yeah. Okay. So, um, tell us something about yourself, Ashley, that is ordinary that you feel like is ordinary. Well, pretty much most of the things I do, just, you know, my everyday life, you know, taking care of four girls, dropping off at school, dropping off at dance, Mm. that's pretty ordinary. 
but I enjoy it. I do. Yeah, that's good. So then what, what's something about your life, your world that you feel is extraordinary? This one is much harder to answer than the, what do you think is ordinary Mm -hmm. question? (laughs) Yeah. But, um, you know, I, I just feel like I have a good ability to get through tough, stressful times without feeling too stressed. And I'm a pretty laid back, go with the flow type of person. And I just, that's really been invaluable to me throughout my life and especially this past year. You know what I found as we've talked with so many guests now about these questions is I think the reason we struggle with the extraordinary part is because it feels like it can kind of feel like we're um, like bragging about ourselves. But I always love to just remind guests that this is about recognizing the gifts God's put in each and every one of us uniquely. Um, And I think it's so cool, Ashley, because, you know, I know that other listeners can listen in to what you feel like God has given you as both your ordinary and your extraordinary. Mm -hmm. And they can go, yeah, I can relate to that. Yeah. You know, I can, I can connect with this woman on this. So I just, yeah, just to encourage you, I, I think it's very common that people feel awkward answering that, but that you're not alone in that. So, so do you think that you have, is this something you're just discovering about yourself or have you known this about yourself for a while? No, I feel like I've always known that I'm laid back and, you know, I can handle a lot. Yeah. But, um, yeah. Maybe that's why God gave you four girls. Yeah. yeah, that's true. <laughs> Girls are a lot. <laughs> All right, so let's talk about your hubby a little bit. Um, so how how did you and Cody meet? We actually met at church at Riverside Community Church in Peoria. Um, okay. We had mutual friends, you know, and that we just started hanging out in the same group, and then after a couple months, you know, asked, he asked me if we wanted to go to lunch and then just kind of went from there. We, we dated and hung out exclusively for maybe three months and then we got engaged and then we got married six months later. So it was fast, but we knew it was right and what God had for us. So it was fun times. Yeah. When you know, you know, for sure. So what's been the, what's been the biggest surprise? Um, you've been married 11, over 11 years, you said, but what's been the, the kind of the biggest surprise in marriage for you guys? Um, for me personally, I think, you know, people always, you know, when you're getting ready to get married, everyone gives you advice and they always say, you know, it's going to be hard. It's a lot of work and there'll be rough times. And, you know, that's totally all true, but I've, feel like people forget to tell you how much fun it is mm-hmm. and how you think you love your spouse, you know, the most you ever could on your wedding day. But that's really just the tip of the iceberg mm-hmm. of the love that develops as the years go by. Mm-hmm. And so that's been the biggest surprise to me. I think, you know, how much more today I love Cody than I did when I thought I loved him more than anyone could ever love someone else. And, mm-hmm. um, I wish people would give that advice more to newlyweds that it's, work, but it's so much fun too. Mm. Like the good will outweigh the bad. Mm. I love that so much. And I agree with it wholeheartedly. I, um, Chris and I have been married 18 years and it is, it's hard to explain how it is even so much more fun now than it was when we were newlyweds because we know each other so much better now. And there's that, you know, there's that obviously that giddy fun, like 
butterfly when you're first getting married and but you just don't know each other that well and the love that comes from the intimacy of knowing someone so so well is something you cannot you can't put a price on that right yeah well I love you sharing that perspective because I think that especially so many years into marriage you know you you're um in the the minority of having a marriage that's so many years in and still being in love with your spouse and still being excited that you married him. So um, I think that's just a word of encouragement Mm -hmm. for some listeners, maybe, maybe listeners that are going through not as beautiful of a season to go, Hey, you know what? Like your marriage, it can become something so beautiful again. So I think that's such a good positive perspective. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. So good. So you guys have four girls and in today's society, that's a pretty big family. Yeah. Four kids. (laughs) Did you... (laughs) Did you both want a big family from the get-go? Was that something you guys talked about, or how did that look? Yeah, we we definitely did talk about that in the beginning, and we both wanted a bigger family. We both knew for sure three, and we were like, well, you know, when we start having kids and we get to three, we'll kind of reevaluate, And but we kind of thought we probably would go for four, and that's pretty much how it happened was we had them all pretty close together. They're all two years or less apart and when we had Millie our third um I kind of went back and forth for a little bit of do we want to have another one or not but it we just didn't feel complete as a family so Mm -hmm. we knew that there is a fourth baby for us Mm -hmm. and so when Flora came you know it felt right we're like okay this is this is enough girls (laughs) we're not getting a boy so (laughs) Does Cody no, feel we, so outnumbered? Oh, he totally does, but he 100% love it, loves it and would not change it for anything. He never was that guy that was like, oh, I got to have a boy. We have to have a boy. Let's have one more, and hopefully it's a boy. He's like, it's going to be a girl. We already have two. We already have three. It's a girl, and I love it. Just bring on the girls. Oh, what a good daddy. Okay, so your fourth born is Flora, and you have such a – incredible story about her life and the journey you've walked through with her. Would you just start at the beginning and tell us that story? Yeah, she was born February 16th, 2016. So she's almost two. And, you know, when she was born, um, there wasn't really any concerns or anything, any red flags. She the only thing that we found out the day after she was born is that she had this tiny little hole in her heart, which is a super common um, thing. It's called an ASD. And, you know, they were telling us, you know, one in four people have them. You just don't, we find them a lot earlier now because technology and medicine is better. So, um, so we thought for the first like six, seven months of her life, we thought we were just monitoring this tiny little hole in her heart. And we lived in California. She was born out there. So when we moved to Georgia, she was about five months old. And she wasn't hitting certain milestones. You know, she was my fourth baby. I know about the time when all like rolling starts and sitting up and all that. She was doing that stuff, but it was just a little later than the other girls had. So I was just like, that's kind of weird, but it wasn't anything that I was like, something is, you know, awfully wrong here. Mm -hmm. And, and the pediatrician also was like, you know, I wouldn't worry about it. It's not a big deal. And so when we moved, 
I had to get her a cardiologist to monitor the hole. And when we went for that first appointment, she asked me things like, you know, has she met all our milestones and all that? And I said, for the most part, yeah, and explained everything that I had been thinking about. Um, she's like, okay. So she did the echo and she found a little bit more wrong than just the hole in her heart. She said, you know, she has a leaky valve and her heart seems kind of enlarged. Um, so they weren't, you know, like three or four different little things that weren't awful when you like separated them. But when you put them all together, she's like, I think there might be a bigger picture going on. Mm -hmm. And, um, but by this time I had noticed like her head was fairly large for, um, a baby her age and the pediatrician, you know, I don't fault him at all because it's not something that's commonly known, but he's like, Oh, you know, she just has a big head. She's going to grow into it and all that. But Mm -hmm. I'm really grateful for this, the cardiologist that we found here. And it was Dr. Phelps. She really listened to me, you know, and she's a cardiologist. She could have been like, well, those are all, you know, things you can ask the pediatrician, you know, like Mm -hmm. I'm a heart doctor. And, but she really listened to me and she was like, I'm going to set you up with this appointment at the heart failure clinic in Atlanta. And they will, see what's going on and she's like but that she's gonna give me an appointment for like two months and she said but in the meantime we're gonna do a head ultrasound and a chest x-ray because another thing I had noticed is that her ribs had grown kind of flared out at the end at the bottom Mm -hmm. and so she's like those are just some things we can start doing now and you know get the ball rolling and so we went for those outpatient tests and when they did the head ultrasound they said there is a lot of excess fluid in her head so we want you to go through the ER and have a CAT scan and they so they did the CAT scan and they said we're pretty concerned about the amount of fluid so we want to admit you and it was a crazy night because Cody was traveling he travels a lot for work and I had thankfully that week he actually took Ada with him for a little father-daughter time. So I only had the two other girls, but they were sitting at the hospital doing these outpatient tests, and they both had all of a sudden come down with the flu. Oh. So they're, like, starting to get sick and throwing up, and I'm trying to do everything. I was like, oh, my gosh, what's happening? I don't know what's going on. But I had great friends who came and got the other girls. But so Flora was admitted, and I stayed with her. And then over the she ended up staying three or four days because what we found out was she had hydrocephalus which is excess water on the brain mm-hmm. and so her brain wasn't getting rid of its excess water mm-hmm. so they were thinking there was a blockage somewhere or sometimes there's no blockage your body just doesn't reabsorb the fluid properly um so during that weekend that she was in the hospital um a geneticist came in the room all of a sudden i was like okay what's this about? And they're like, you know, with her hydrocephalus and her flared ribs and she had very noisy breathing, always had from day one. I just thought she was always congested. So I was always trying to suction her out, but nothing would come. And, um, but really she just had, um, like swollen enlarged airways is what it ended up being. And so the geneticist was like, with all these, um, symptoms we think she has what's called something in the family of MPS diseases it's mucopolysaccharidosis and there's seven different types 
Mm. And she, um, so they're like, we're going to do blood work and urine testing, and that's how it's confirmed. And that then they just leave, you know. They don't wow. explain anything about what MPS is, mm. and they said, we think it's probably MPS-1, mm. which is also known as hurler. And so we spent a couple days, by this time Cody was back in Uh, at the hospital with me so we googled and that's like the worst Mm -hmm. idea if you ever get a diagnosis from a doctor and they don't thoroughly explain it do not google it (laughs) because all you're going to find is worst case scenario and probably outdated information and that's what happened to us is that we found awful information Mm -hmm. so she was confirmed to have mps1 probably six weeks later it took a while to get the confirmation but from what they told us that weekend and what we knew of, of her symptoms, we accepted the fact when they left the room that that's what she had. We didn't, you know, I had this awful feeling in the pit of my stomach that that's what she had, but I still was holding out this tiny bit of hope that hmm. that wasn't going to be confirmed with the blood work, but it, it was November 30th of 2016 when they called me and said that she was for sure diagnosed with MPS-1 and what that is is her body is lacking an enzyme I won't try to pronounce it because I'll totally get it wrong (laughs) very very hard to pronounce but um so you and I we have this enzyme and it's essentially like a trash can for our bodies of fatty proteins that are in your bloodstream and so for flora she does not have that enzyme so her body doesn't break that down like ours does it just builds up and it's a degenerative disease so over time all that build up just causes everything to go wrong you know your heart to enlarge your liver all your organs basically get bigger and bigger and your brain as well um if the enzyme builds up in there and so without any treatment you have five to ten years to live and they'll be miserable years is what they tell you you will become retarded and you know you'll have it's just a matter of what organ fails first really but thankfully we live in an age of modern medicine Mm -hmm. and um I credit God for that, that, you know, he has mm-hmm. given these smart people to us here on earth that mm. have developed all this research and they actually have two treatments for her. It, the first one is a synthetic enzyme that they have created. Um, so essentially once a week she gets a four hour infusion of this synthetic enzyme and that helps everything from the neck down. Mm. It helps all her organs and everything, but they haven't been able to create an enzyme that passes the blood-brain barrier and can help her cognitive abilities. So that's where um, if you have the severe form of M- there's a severe form and an attenuated form in- of MPS-1, and she has the severe form. Mm-hmm. And so when you have the severe, it also, like I was mentioning, affects your cognitive ability. And so the second form of treatment that you have to do is a bone marrow transplant, mm-hmm. which is where they... It involved about a week of chemo. They just bring your body down to nothing. Essentially, you have no white blood cells, no immune system, and then they um, give the bone marrow, which in her case, she actually got cord blood. Um, And it's for as 
big of an ordeal and, you know, life-saving event that it was for her, it was so ironic that it takes about 15 minutes and it's just a little IV and then you're done. Wow. But that, so she did that last February. We're coming up on her one-year anniversary and it was on February 20th of last year and that will help the brain. Mm -hmm. So it's not a cure but it gives her a chance at life, you know, mm. before her lifespan would have been five to 10 years. And now they can't really give us a lifespan because they just started transplanting children with MPS one in the eighties. So those kids are about my age. Wow. And wow. I, so essentially she is expected to have a normal lifespan, you know, like the rest of us. So mm. it's, yeah, it's definitely not a cure, but it's definitely the best treatment that there is for MPS-1. And she will still have bone issues. That's the only thing they haven't been able to address yet because there's no blood flow through your bones. Mm-hmm. So it's hard to get, they haven't figured out a way to get any healing, I guess, into the bones. So she will still most likely have to have her hips redone when she's five to seven, somewhere around there and spine surgery and things like that. Um, But she's doing good. You know, we've made it past all the complications that come with transplant. You know, she gets a cold and it took us forever for her to get over it, you know, and she got just a simple little stomach bug over the summer and it gave her nephrotic syndrome in her kidney. It's just crazy Mm -hmm. the things that come from transplant but Mm. she's doing good and she's yeah like I said she still has plenty of road to walk down she can't um, walk yet or crawl or anything but she is getting stronger and she's in therapies and we just I could talk about it for forever (laughs) she's such a such a great little girl and she's really doing awesome now that she's over the yucky feeling from the chemo and everything she's yeah. starting to make a lot of progress and we're really proud of her oh. how have your older daughters responded to this very challenging time you know I I was super worried I guess that would probably be one of my biggest worries throughout this whole thing of like what are they going to do? How are they going to handle all this? Because I guess I should back up and say that Flora and I had to go to Minneapolis, Minnesota for her transplant because that's where the experts in her disease are. And mm-hmm. so last January through June, we were gone and living up there. And the wow. girls were down here with Cody and my parents and Cody's parents swapped months helping out. Wow. So I was worried that, you know, and they're still little too. They can't understand everything, you know, they can't, you can't explain it all to them. So, but they actually did awesome. They blew my expectations out of the water. You know, they definitely missed mommy and Flora Mm -hmm. and they, you know, had their moments of tears, but they also had such moments of strength beyond even mine and Cody's of, Mm -hmm. you know, just encouraging Cody and I, and our parents, like, you know, they'll be back soon. We we can do it, guys. And Aww. and they just would count down the days for when Flora would get off certain meds and everything. And so we got to come home in June, but she still had to be isolated because she was on immunosuppressant drugs. And 
So when she finally got off boat was just this past Thanksgiving, and they were like, "You guys, we did it! We can go places again. We、oh. we stuck it out." And they were just so awesome, like mature beyond their years. I mean,、mm. seven, five, and three—I never would have thought seven, a five, and three-year-old could do that, but they did it, and they did it better than some adults. Wow! So, what Ashley for you as a mom? What does this look like? And talk to me about just how you was it just day to day? Yes,、um, throughout that whole time, that seriously was what I had to chant to myself all the time: was okay, one day at a time, one day at a time. Like it got too overwhelming to think about, you know, the hundred days. You know, we were you had to stay in Minneapolis for a hundred days after transplant. I couldn't think of it like that. I just had to think like, okay, this is day fifty. Yeah. This is day fifty-one. This is day fifty-two. You just it gets too crazy, and and I felt awful at times because you know there's Valentine's Day parties and and birthday parties. I miss I missed all the girls' birthday parties last year,、mm-hmm. and it I just. You know they understood, but at the same time they shouldn't have to.、Yeah. You know, I should be there, but、yeah. so I had to get past that mom guilt too. Some, but、yeah. what do you feel like? What What was your ability to do that? How were you able to get over that mom guilt and go? This is what this is the season I'm in. This is what I've got to do. Um. Well, definitely. My faith helped me with that, you know, just prayer and reassurance that God gave me that, you know, I was where I was supposed to be, and also just thinking, you know, this is not the long term. This、mm-hmm. is a season. This is just a snippet of our life. And what another big thing that helped me was thinking, you know. I'm doing this so that we can all gain a life with Flora.、Yes. Without doing this, you know, we we don't know how long we would have with Flora. So, and that was another big thing that helped the girls too. They understood that, you know, mommy and Flora are gone because we're fighting for a life with Flora, so that we can be at all these other birthday parties with Flora.、Mm, wow, what a great perspective. <laughs> For both you and for your girls, and、yeah. for Cody to have just that—I mean, you really had to sacrifice parts of your life to have her life. Yeah, that's、right. such a such a example of the gospel to me.、Yeah. Wow, that's、yeah. so beautiful. So, did you have you or did you ever deal with anger at all towards God because of Flora having to walk through this, or what about that? You know, anger wasn't really、um, something I struggled with. I struggled with like why, just like despair、mm-hmm. more than anger, and like just why, really.、Mm-hmm. Um, but anger never came became a big factor for me,、mm-hmm. um, and I kind I credit my parents for that because growing up. I watched them do life, you know, and they just did it. You know, it was hard, and there were times they didn't want to do what they had to do. But this, these are the cards you're dealt. You have to do it. So let's just play this game and get it done. You know,、mm-hmm. and the, I just really thank them for setting that example and teaching me that. You know, 
we've had other hard times in life, but this is obviously the hardest for mm-hmm. us. But I just know from their example that it's, it, this is a sinful world and living in this sinful world sucks, mm-hmm. but God will get us through it. So, but you have to start the journey. You can't just sit and wallow in your anger or misery. Mm-hmm. You have to get up and start it out. If that makes sense. Mm, that's so good. So you, I'm sure you've probably met other families that are in the similar situation. Do you have a great support group now? I do. Yes. When we were in Minneapolis, I met probably eight to 10 other families um, with children that have MPS one. And there was, um, a couple families that stayed there. Actually, there was probably four or five other families that stayed. We stayed at the Ronald McDonald house next to the hospital and they were all there almost the whole time I was too. And so I gained a lot of wisdom from them because there were two moms that have three children who all have MPS one. Wow. And, they had three children each that had it, I should say. And so they were like a wealth of knowledge and encouragement. And, you know, they just, they knew what I was going through. They Mm -hmm. get it. And as much as everyone, you know, my friends and even my family, you just, you don't know. There's no way to describe it to Mm -hmm. someone else and tell them exactly what it is. Mm -hmm. No one will get it unless they went through it. And so it was great to have that support system. And I still, you know, have all their phone numbers. We're always texting each other, checking on each other's kids and, you know, asking each other's questions or did you have this happen or this or that? And so, yeah, I definitely have a great support group. So is that people who know what I'm going through? Yeah, that's incredible. I mean, that's really a gift, just that common bond of them being able to relate. Um, Mm -hmm. So is it pretty uncommon that you have your three firstborn daughters, first, second and third daughters are perfectly healthy and they don't have this disease and then your fourth does? Um. You know, it's it's a recessive gene. So both Cody and I are carriers, and we didn't know it, but each one of our children had a 25% chance of getting Hurler. Wow. And so no, I, I don't really know the statistics on all that, but it seems like we got, you know, pretty blessed because I know several families that have, you know, four and five children and they have, you know, at least a couple that have MPS. So I I don't really know how all that science works and the statistics of it all, but yeah, yeah, I definitely feel blessed that we have three healthy children as well. Yeah. So I know, um, it seems like when families a lot of times go through really difficult things specifically with their kids, whether it's a health issue or, you know, the death of a child or something really tragic like that, it seems like one of two things happens. Either it brings them closer together as a family, it strengthens their marriage, or they do the opposite and they pull apart and they don't they don't end up having a great healthy relationship. How do you feel like you and Cody were able to navigate that? and come out on the other end, sort of on the other end, I guess, with still a really good marriage? Um, well, I'll be honest. There were some times when I would, 
when we were separating, you know, when he was down here with the girls and traveling for work and I was in Minnesota that we didn't understand each other's plot. You know what I mean? Like I was like, I'm up here, I'm doing all the hard work. You have the easy job, Mm -hmm. you know, you're taking care of the three girls and that's easy. I'm Mm -hmm. the one up all night with the baby learning all these medicines, you know, when to give them and how much and all this. And, and I think for him, he was like, you know, I, I think it's kind of a guy characteristic. Like it's a lot for him to handle. So he kind of was like, I'm just going to take care of the girls. That's what I know how to do. Mm-hmm. You know, like I, I can do that good. Yeah. I'm not, I can't handle, I think it's hard for a dad to see their daughter or son go through something like that. And I mean, props to moms of sick kids because they really hold it together and keep it going. But yeah, we definitely did have a rough patch where, but I think what kept us going was again, going back to telling ourselves, this is a season we're going to get back to, you know, it was the separation. We knew it was the separation Mm, and we're just tried to encourage each other as much as we could, but mostly just focused on keeping ourselves right and in the right frame of mind and, you know, praying and having our own time so that when we got back together, which we knew was going to happen, we would be ready to go. Hmm. And so it definitely, we definitely had a rough moment there, but once we came back together and we're all living together again, it was the healing balm that we needed. And I think we knew that the whole time. That's why we tried not to nag the other one about what we were feeling too much because we knew the main antidote for what Mm-hmm. would help us was just to be back together again. Yeah. Yeah. That's really wise of you to have that foresight to understand that. I think a lot of times we just get so stuck in what we're feeling right now that we don't think about what's forward, you know, what's to come. And yeah, that's so good. So yeah. Ashley, what's your, I mean, you've obviously learned so much through this very unexpected journey. Um, what would be your advice towards, other parents who are maybe facing a health issue with one of their children? Yeah, I, I kind of touched on it a little bit already, but the, just the one day at a time was like yeah. my biggest, biggest piece of advice. You know, you, you just get too overwhelmed if you think of it big picture. I mean, you, you do have to look at the big picture too, of course, but mm-hmm. when you're just in the thick of it and in the middle of it, and you just think, oh my gosh, tomorrow, what am I going to do tomorrow? And what, how am I going to make that happen tomorrow? And you just have to stop and be like, this is today. And mm-hmm. I'm going to do this one test today. And we'll yeah. see what this one thing says. And that really helps me get through it. And to trust your gut. Mm-hmm. You know, you know your child. The doctors know children. Pediatric doctors know children, but they don't know your child. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you know, we were blessed with great doctors. They would tell us, you know, we have the textbook for what's supposed to happen in this situation, but we've never met a child who follows the textbook. So they, you just have to know your child and make sure that you speak up if you feel like 
that doctor's not listening to you, you know, don't feel like you're going to step on their toes because, you know, they're working for you. And so they're great. I mean, doctors are great and I couldn't praise them enough, but you just have to make sure that you're being heard. Yeah. That's so true. Actually, that's so true. I can relate, um, on a different level, but you know, our firstborn had some really, really, um, big health, health complications. And I remember we were in the, just getting ready to go into his third surgery and there was a room full of doctors and medical staff. And there was some kind of question and debate going on about what needed to be happening. And one of them looked at me and he was this very abrupt kind of curt to the point doctor. And he said, you're the expert. What do you think? And I was so taken back that here was this doctor that had been doing this for 40 years and he was looking to me, a first time mom of, you know, not even 30 yet. And he was like, you're the expert in this room. And I thought, man, that was so profound because like you said, trust your gut. Um, I just believe God has given moms, but parents just that discernment to Uh know what is up with their child and to know what needs to happen. Yes, we might not have the medical training, but he's definitely give us that spirit of discernment. So I love that you're encouraging those parents just to trust what God is speaking to you and what what your gut is telling you. That's so good. I was going to say, I just have like a second piece of advice that I would give, um, especially for parents of kids with special needs that, you know, Cody and I, from the beginning, when we got her diagnosis, it was how normal can we keep everything? Um, You know, we obviously know that this is going to change our lives, but we can also let it change it more than it needs to. Mm -hmm. And so I, you know, people, I've had people say to me like, oh, well, you know, how is it being a parent of a special needs child? Or how do you do that with a special needs child? I'm like, wait, who has a special needs kid? And then I'm like, oh yeah, me. I just, I, I don't think of her that way. And I would just encourage families to, you know, obviously I know that there will be hurdles and things that Flora can't do possibly or other special needs kids, but I always want to think of her in the sense that she maybe could if Mm -hmm. she tries hard enough, if we can think of maybe just a unique way to do that. It might not be the normal way someone does it, but that doesn't, I mean, what's normal anyways, Mm -hmm. like everybody does things differently. So I just want to encourage families of special need kids or, you know, chronically ill children to just think of them as children and not Mm -hmm. special needs to just always be positive and give them the encouragement to at least try. Maybe, you know, you, even in the beginning, you might know that it's not going to work out, but at least let them try Mm -hmm. and they will develop a good sense of willpower and characteristics through the trying. Actually, I don't think it is. I mean, I'm just so, I'm so proud of you sitting here, listening to your story, you know, having known you before you were a mom and now all these years later, seeing just how God has developed you, um, to be able to handle this, you know, it's definitely not happenstance that he gave you that ability to be calm and steady through a very difficult journey. Um, yeah, I'm just, I'm so proud of you. What, 
what an example of really your faith helping, mm-hmm. you know, ground you through this and mm-hmm. giving you the wisdom and the grace to walk through this. I think what you said about not seeing, you just see them as children. You just see her as your daughter. And that's how God sees us. You know, he mm-hmm. doesn't see, uh, he doesn't differentiate. He doesn't go, well, this one has a problem here and this one has a problem there. He just sees us as his children. Yeah. And if we as human beings yes. can start to see one another that way, not with eyes that see all of the disabilities or all of the flaws, but eyes that see a person created in God's image. Yeah. And what a what a different world we would live in. What a different way our hearts would look. You know, our heart conditions would look so different if we if that's how we viewed people. I that is that's good for all of us, not just for people who have special needs kids. Absolutely. Yeah. So a quick question for you, Ashley, when people are when you interact with people out in public that don't know you guys and um have you gotten questions from people about about flora and what does that look like for you guys you know we haven't really um had any of that yet i think she's still young enough that people don't realize she should be walking by now or crawling by now so i think that will come later on and that's a whole nother hurdle and road we'll have to walk down and figure out Mm -hmm. i don't know the the answers to that one yet but i hope that I, I don't mind people asking questions. I would rather people ask questions than stare and whisper. Mm-hmm. So I'd rather educate people mm-hmm. than start rumors. So mm-hmm. I would love people to ask questions um, as she gets older. And, you know, it's maybe more evident that there is something going on with her. So mm-hmm. yeah. we haven't gotten into that yet too much. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how your older daughters, because um, I'm sure how they'll be responding towards questions, because I'm sure they're probably quite protective of her as your baby. Yes. I mean, she probably feels like she has four mamas, doesn't she? <laughs> yes. I mean, we still, everyone just calls her the baby. We're like, Shh, the baby's sleeping. Or, oh, get the baby. She's about to get something she's not supposed to. Or <laughs> they will tell people, oh, here's my baby. And yeah, <laughs> she's definitely going to have all the love in the world and she has plenty of mamas for sure oh that is so sweet I love it well Ashley I again I'm just so proud of you for being willing to share your story um if we have anyone that's listening that maybe has questions for you or maybe they're walking this journey would you be open to people reaching out to you oh yeah definitely okay I I would love to talk to anyone who has questions or anything. Okay. Well, so your Instagram, you're on Instagram as Ashley home and Mm -hmm. we will, we'll tag you in the, in this episode so that people can find you there. But then also you're on Facebook, um, at facebook.com forward slash Flora M home. So we'll, um, let people reach out to you there if they've got any questions or even just encouragement for you. Um, Hey, and know this, Ashley, we, Heather and I are definitely going to be praying for you and for Flora, mm-hmm. for Cody and the girls as you guys just continue to walk this journey. Um, you know, I can't say that I can relate to what you're walking through, but I can definitely support you in prayer. And I mm-hmm. have been. Um, Thank you. So certainly know that here back at home where mm-hmm. you're from, our hearts are with you guys and definitely thinking of you and praying for you. Thank you. I appreciate that. We have had so much support and prayers from 
people we've never even met and people we've known for our whole lives. And that's definitely a big component of what has gotten us through this situation and what has um, gotten Flora through this situation, I know. We definitely appreciate all the prayer warriors. All right, girl. Well, you hang on the line one minute. We're going to wrap up here, and then we'll be back with you in a second, okay? Okay. Thank you for having me. Thanks for being with us. Thanks for listening to the H&H Hour. We hope that something that Ashley shared today has really um, just resonated with you. Truly, if you're walking through a season of just a hard season, I'm sure listening to Ashley, you maybe can't imagine walking through that. Um, Maybe it's not even a sick kid. Maybe it's just something internally that you're dealing with that you feel like is is overwhelming and it literally feels like day one day at a time is all you can do. Yeah. Well, I loved her advice, just one day at a time. Yeah. So um, thanks for listening. If you've got any questions, reach out to Ashley. You also can reach out to Heather and myself. We're at the H&H Hour on Instagram. And as always, you can find us on iTunes and subscribe. Feel free to leave us some feedback and we will be back with you next week. Have a great day.